You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I mean, the player of the game for Ottawa was Richie Leone. And, uh, the play- How many times have we had to say that? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, this is not breaking news to anybody. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup B, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it ends! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Kura and Brazilian Tide, who, as we... Bring week nine to an end. Do you have your air horn tie? I have two because we need to carry them around for bears. <laughs> so I guess at this time of night in camp, it would be frowned upon if you discharged one. I have another hour and a bit, like an hour and 43 <laughs> minutes, hour and 42 minutes to buy a time. <laughs> Oh man, I look, I get people are annoyed by it. To me, it's a little bit sensational to go tweeting owners and sponsors. sponsors. Oh, I and, oh, oh no, a fan of Winnipeg isn't going to watch another Alouette's home game. I don't think Winnipeg goes back to Montreal this year. So I saw, I saw more than one person say they're not going to watch another game on TSN, Alouette's or not. Get over yourself. It's not that big of a deal. Like you're just a crybaby at this point. To me, it's just maybe you're looking for an excuse to uh, stop watching football. And mm-hmm. if the air horn was the one that yeah. broke the camel's and back, al- and also now with Twitter, people just like to hear themselves <laughs> or read themselves. I guess so. There's that. I, I think that's a lot of it too. Chris. <laughs> Let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest. That's who we're calling out for tweeting at owners and sponsors. Well, there was more than one person doing that. Well, there was only one I saw. So <laughs> now, now everybody has shut off this podcast. Yeah. Well, oh, well, they don't get it in Winnipeg, anyways. Like <laughs> this episode of Two It Out is brought to you by Taproot Spotlight, a service that helps businesses and organizations pay attention to the people they serve. Taproot tells you the news about the people and companies that are important to you. Use that information internally to keep everyone on the same page or share it with the world in your newsletter, on your website, and on your social media channels. Paying attention pays dividends. Find out more at taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. That's taprootpublishing.ca slash spotlight. In the huddle with Kura and Ty on the Two and Out podcast. Yep. First game of the week was Winnipeg beating Montreal 35-20. I think on the second half of this home and home, I think Winnipeg fans should really show up with the air horns on Thursday. What do you think? I, I have a feeling that a lot are going to try whether or not security actually does their job yeah. or not is, I, I don't know. It, it, I, 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 I do enjoy that there is something like this is not a rivalry. Like Winnipeg, Montreal, like, it's kind of a middle of the season game that it's like, well, whatever. Winnipeg is yeah. going to roll them. Winnipeg is going to roll them over. Whatever. This is this is now turned into you know something that might actually give us a story for for this rematch. 
We'll end the bombers posting that video on social media of the air horn slowly getting crushed. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was some good stuff. The big big story here is the Alouettes being able to force three turnovers in the first half. They forced another one in the second half. Mm-hmm. Three points out of th- four turnovers. That's not going to win you the game. No, I, I mean if you're getting three turnovers, you should be looking at at least ten points. You got you got to score. At least a field goal and touchdown. Oh, yeah. Two of those. Like, if it's, and especially against a Winnipeg team that doesn't make those mistakes very often, if you're not going to capitalize on those, uh, you're not going to win the game. I mean, they have the reigning MOP, and let's not get that convoluted with an MVP because people are doing that on Twitter now because they don't get it. They don't get the difference because Rourke is your MOP. But, uh, you know, if, if they're going to hand you opportunities, you have to, you have to take them and you have to capitalize. And Montreal just did not do that. And then they turned the ball over themselves. They did. They did. But I mean, credit to them. The Bombers, well, I know that they won and they won by two scores, but they looked like a tired team. And <laughs> well, and, and let's like those two scores, those were fourth quarter. Like this was, yeah, yeah. this game wasn't like they ran away with it. Like no. Montreal hung in. They did. And they were getting after Kolaris. They had five sacks. They like yeah. they they were hitting him, and well, they sent him to the room, which was a pretty funny moment in the game. He he <laughs> he leaves the field, and it turns out that no, uh, there is another play at the touchdown here. So he comes back out, finishes the touchdown drive, and then he go, oh, we'll go get that knee looked at. Yeah, this. I mean, uh, that's another thing because Montreal, the, the discipline that's been brought up all year, they had the pyramiding penalty on the field goal mm. attempt. So that's yeah. what brought Kalaris back out. And then he hit Rashid Bailey for that touchdown. And then he goes back to the room. Oh, Montreal had all the opportunities in the world and a credit to the bomber defense can credit to the bombers in general. They- they're, they're eight <laughs> points clear of second place right now. Yeah. And I know they got a couple games in hand, but the schedule works to Winnipeg's favor. Six mm-hmm. out of the remaining nine games are at home, and they have three bye weeks. Well, look at Toronto. They don't yeah. leave Ontario for nine weeks. <laughs> They're going to be laughing. Yeah. The Montreal thing, they, they force mm-hmm. the sack deep in their own end in the third quarter. They take a misconduct penalty. How are they going to fix this going forward? And I mean, I know that Vernon Adams Jr. is on the six-game injured list. It's not happening with Trevor Harris. And I don't know if it gets talked about enough. Uh, William Stanback going down in week one is a massive problem for the team. Stanback and wear down defenses takes a lot of pressure off that off the quarterback. You know, defenses can't just pin their ears back. I mean, that's no knock on, on an Antwi, but he's no William Stanback. And yeah. He's good. Like he's a good football player, but I mean, it's apples to oranges when you look at him versus William Stanback. Um, and also, too, it's kind of two different quarterback styles. Trevor Harris doesn't like to leave the pocket too much. He's not overly mobile, whereas a guy like Vernon Adams Jr. can make plays with his legs. Uh, I mean, when, when Harris came in, it seemed like an improvement. It was a dead cat bounce, and now it's all just kind of for naught. And I, I don't know what you do if you're Montreal League. Do you trade Vernon Adams Jr. now? Can you go back to him? Has he lost confidence in in the coaching staff because the coaching staff lost confidence in him? Like now you've kind of made your bed and you got kind of got to lay in it, and like it almost feels like a lost year now. 
if they don't turn it around. That being said about, I mean, Montreal's discipline issues, uh, Winnipeg actually took more penalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave up less yards. So I guess that is a, that's yeah. a big thing. Montreal had seven for 77, which is an improvement over the, <laughs> over the past little while here. But you're right. The Owls were in it until mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. And uh, I guess Winnipeg got their legs under them and they'll, they'll take advantage of any opening. You the hangover them. from Crescent Street finally wore off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got the blood pumping. <laughs> I'm looking at the second quarter. Winnipeg had an eight-play, 110-yard drive. Um, you can't. That's what it says on the stat sheet. Well, that's wrong. Because that is literally impossible because the ball never gets spotted at the goal line. I guess we'll call it a uh, 109-yard right. drive uh, yeah. to make Ty happy here. Wow, well, I mean, let's be real. Can you have a hundred and you can have a hundred and ten yard return? You can't have a yeah. hundred and ten yard drive. Yeah. It's literally impossible. Hey, that that's the stat sheet. Don't I'm take it up with Steve. me. I, I have Steve's number. He sent it to us in email. I'm calling him. <laughs> of course, it was aided by a thirty nine yard pass interference play, and uh, Dalton Schoen scores another touchdown. I think at this point in the season, we've. We kind of know our most outstanding rookie, and we might know our most outstanding player. Of mm-hmm. course, it's only we got a lot of football to be played. Nope, season's over. <laughs> Especially if you're a Ryder fan, because it's not going to get any better from here. <laughs> and then, yeah, Janarian Grant has a punt return for a touchdown in the at the end of the game. Harris has a turnover late in the game, and the Bombers capitalize on that with a Brady Oliveira touchdown. So it looks like they're getting their running game under them as well. They're just getting better. That's that's probably the scary part of this all. And, and yeah, they didn't look like world beaters by any means in that first half. No. But they didn't let the game get away from them. They just kind of trotted along. And eventually, wear teams down, or, or you have a playmaker like Janarion Grant make a play, like he did on that punt return, and you know, it gets the legs going, it gets the energy back uh, on the sidelines and in the huddle and everything, and then it just starts to snowball. And, and I mean, this team has been through it before. They've had to have comeback wins. They've they've won those tight games. They've won those blowout games. They've done they've done everything. They've won two straight great cups. Like this is nothing new to this group. And, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of turnover either, other than Andrew Harris leaving and, and a couple yeah. pieces. Like, I mean, not huge pieces. And this team, I, I just I don't know who beats them at this point like it's gonna happen they're not going 18 and 0 i just i just it's too hard i I just don't see it happening at some point guys are gonna be resting and and it's just gonna happen but i don't think you're gonna beat this team when they're fully healthy and and going and they're only going to get healthier Uh, greg Mm -hmm. ellingson didn't play brandon alexander hasn't played yet i mean yeah and and when brandon alexander comes back that's basically a dead like a trade yeah but they didn't give anything up yeah, but Kalaros fifteen to twenty six, three interceptions, two touchdowns. Mm. Beatable. That's the Zach Kalaros we've we've come to <laughs> get used to, and then all of a sudden he showed up in Winnipeg and was a completely different person. <laughs> Brady Oliveira seventeen carries, ninety two yards. Drew Wolitarski five catches, ninety yards. The leading receiver. Mm-hmm. on the night for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I, I think a shout-out needs to go out to Tyson Philpot though. 
in in the second half. He has a 60-yard return to put the Owls in great field position right after the Rashid Bailey touchdown. Maybe looked like they were going to answer back, and mm-hmm. they kind of did. Tyson Philpot has the touchdown a few plays later, and then on the next kickoff follows it up with special teams touchdown. It's cool to see a rookie that was just drafted uh, contributing mm-hmm. in all, well, except defense, I guess, but yeah. uh, contributing all over the place. It's awesome. And I mean, a lot of guys when they come in and they get their start in this league, the special teams. Yep. If you can prove that you can make plays on special teams, you're going to get more looks in the offense. We've seen it with Brandon Banks. Janarion Grant's getting a little more involved in the offense. I mean, there's some nights where he only had two targets, uh, and they, but they handed the ball off to him three times. He had 43 yards. You know, yep. Those guys that can return kicks and, and get involved in the offense, they have the speed. They can. They have that vision, uh, like field vision for block. Like they can see everything kind of happen in front of them. That's that's a huge asset to get more looks. And he's taking full advantage right now. Gino Lewis had nine catches on 15 targets for 123 yards. So he's clearly the guy that they, they want to go through. Uh, Trevor Harris was 16 of 26, two picks, one touchdown. I mean, it was kind of similar to what we saw mm-hmm. from Calaris, but just, uh, I guess, Zach always makes the plays that he needs to make, and then when they get the special teams touchdowns in there, that's that's the difference. But if you look at Eugene Lewis, 123 yards, the next receiver, Reggie White Jr., had 90 yards less, <laughs> 33 yeah. of them. So they really had nothing going on offense at all. Well, I mean, 11 targets didn't go to Eugene Lewis in this game. <laughs> Yep. If you're gonna if you're gonna hone in on one guy, and granted, Eugene Lewis is their number one. I, I don't think that's really a, a big debate point. Like it could you could be argued Mayala maybe at some point, but I mean, right now on the depth chart, Eugene Lewis is number one. I, when it comes to receiver slot back, like the receiver position, not just receivers but slot backs, like people catching the ball, Eugene Lewis is undisputed number one. Fifteen targets, getting a little one dimensional. That like. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right? And I get that he can make the plays and, and he can high point the football and he's physical, but you're just going to end up throwing into double teams and, and, and making stupid decisions because you're trying to force it in there and teams know that. Defenses realize that right away. Richie Hall is not stupid. You know, and if you're not going to spread the ball, you become real easy to defend. Unless you're Nathan Rourke, apparently. <laughs> the big story from the game, I think, was the poutine helmets. Uh, 90 bucks. Selling out uh, an hour before kickoff. I mean, it's a so, non-story. Nah, credit to the Alouettes for coming up with something like that to it's have been people talking. Done. I've never seen a poutine helmet. No, but I mean, food in the helmet. Like, you can get nachos in a helmet. You can get ice cream. Yeah, Jay's games they sell ice cream in little baseball helmets. If I think this stuff needs to be done more in the CFL. Uh, so oh cr- yeah, credit to the Alouettes for I mean, uh, get- doing that. It's def- it definitely gets, but like, I don't know if that would be why people would go. But I mean, it is something that would attract just a casual fan for sure. As much as I find poutine absolutely the worst thing, one of the worst things on the planet. Um, I would not say that in that province because I wouldn't want to get lynched. Uh, but no, like, it, it is one point. Like, and we talk about like trying to get fans in seats. And and sometimes you need to get just even casual fans like you know the walk up and and you know the the morning of the game oh let's go they got this this and this going on 
I mean, it, it's just another thing to add on marketing wise and trying to sell, sell some tickets and get butts in the seats because we know that the owners uh, need all the money they can get right now. You can tell that we're just trying to delay talking about the next game where the Calgary Stampeders beat the Ottawa Red Blacks 17-3. to No offensive touchdowns in this one. It was ugly from front to back. It was a tough watch, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, like, Kamar Jordan had 10 targets, dropped eight, or not dropped eight, but we only had two catches. Uh, He's having a tough stretch right now. Yeah. Darvin Adams, five catches on 12 targets. <laughs> I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell was under 50% completion, had 137 yards and a pick. What did he need? 142 for the Calgary Stop. Stampeders yeah, record? And something like that. Couldn't get that in this game. Now, there was, I mean, credit. It wasn't the best defensive game, um, but. Yeah, there, yeah, I wouldn't call it a defensive battle. It just seemed like offensive ineptitude. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there was some plays made by the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorenzo Malden on Ottawa. I think he's having a a, a come out party this year. He's he's playing some pretty good football. I think he had a sack in this one, but the receivers weren't doing themselves any favors. There were dropped passes all over the field. I, I think for Calgary, though, a positive is definitely Dedrick Mills. Uh, Sixteen yep. carries, a hundred yards. There was no Kadeem carry in this one. That guy getting over six yards a carry, and he plays a different style than both Peyton Logan and Kadeem yeah. Carey. This guy just runs through people, and yeah. uh, he truck was Madden truck stick. <laughs> yeah, he was a joy to watch for the Stampeders, yeah. at least. And if you can, anytime you can average, you know, six point three yards a carry, uh, you obviously have done something right. Uh, whether it's you know running over guys, like you said, the offensive line. Definitely get some of that credit as well. I don't think it's not definitely not a one man show when it comes to the ground game. Yeah, uh, but it also shows the depth that Calgary has. A hundred yard game from a guy that you just that just gets put in. That, that's going to help anybody. You give Dedrick Mills the the props there for hundred yards. Titus Wall two picks. I, I think both were in the end zone. Or at least one was just in the one. End zone. Yeah, yeah, one was in. The, I mean that offenses weren't great, but the defense made plays when they had to, and that basically made it so Ottawa didn't have anything going and just shut them right down. And I mean. That, Please tell me you took Caleb Evans again this week. I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't think there's, well, there isn't a defensive rookie of the year. Dalton Schoen will be tough to beat, but Titus Wall is a rookie playing. Yeah. He's already got two touchdowns on the season. I think he had mm-hmm. a big one where he kind of stole a fumble uh, in the comeback against Hamilton and yeah. brought that back into the end zone. But I think a lot of people put their heads up or eyebrows up when uh, Raheem Wilson got released. And phew, credit to the Stampeders. Uh, Titus yeah. Wall's a rookie. He played well. Brandon Dozier came back. Uh, Deontay Ruffin had himself an interception and three knockdowns in this one. So he was, he's making plays. And the Stampeders went to Ottawa without their head coach. And if if Ottawa ever had an opportunity that, to that win, just means there was no stupid challenges. <laughs> if Ottawa ever had an opportunity to win against yeah. Calgary and get something going, it was probably this one. But Calgary has so much continuity on their sideline. I mean, well, I, Mark Killam is still there. I, I don't get that unless he just doesn't want to leave. Well, 
as far as I remember, he did interview for the Edmonton job before Chris Jones got oh, the okay. got the. Oh duo yeah, role. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he might be the guy in Ottawa next year. <laughs> he definitely has to be the number one because this comes up every year around yeah, you know, yeah. the midpoint. Like, who's the assistant coach that's going to start getting looks? And it has to be Mark Killam. He's going to be the next head coach somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't. Guys seem to want to play for him. They want to run through a wall for him. Uh, you see. Dickinson give him side eye and dirty looks when he allows more than like 15 yards on a return. <laughs> and the stamps are always uh, one of the best coach teams uh, on in every phase. So, yeah. And like you said, with, with Dickinson not being there, this is, that was Ottawa's best shot. And, and I mean, if they win, how many people say, well, I mean, Calgary is not their coach. I'm like, the players are all the same. The, like mm-hmm. I mean, how much, how much is that really going to make a difference come game day? Like, I mean, all the coaches are basically on the same page, especially in Calgary. I don't think there's any question as to what's going on there when it comes coaching wise. So, but yeah, I mean, Ottawa best chance. I mean, they, they got the game out of bowl. They needed to beat them. Coaching staff was, was kind of juggled. I mean, but they just three points isn't going to get you anywhere. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. If I remember, yeah, correctly, Mark Mueller, um, he was calling the offensive plays. Uh, he was with the Regina Rams, the grandson of the little general. So oh, he, okay, yep. he's got some pretty good CFL lineage in his genes, and he was calling the offensive plays this week. Uh, Killam has been the special teams guy there for 13 years. I believe he's yeah. been in the in the room for 16 started as the strength and conditioning coach. And like, how often do you like, know other than like Bob Dice and now because uh, Craig got promoted and that mic'd up game when he said, when he was yelling outlaws, like special teams guys don't get talk- the only time we talk about Edmonton special teams coordinators when they get fired because they suck. <laughs> Ryan Bold was another guy that made a name for himself. Or yeah, Ryan Bold, but like you know, like I mean, they're few and far between. And and Killam just seems like he is kind of like I don't want to say that he seems like he's a head coach, but he seems like he has the respect on that sideline from all of the guys. And and the way that yeah. the special teams play, it's obvious that guys want to play for him. So I don't think he would have that big of a of an issue transitioning to that head coaching role if that's something he wanted to do. Which I'm sure it is. Like, I mean, you don't want to spend time mm-hmm. your whole entire career as an assistant. The conversation for Ottawa is, I think, a bigger picture one. The mm-hmm. fans are they're getting tired of uh, what's going on there, uh, and I can't blame them. And I, I think credit to Ottawa fans for showing up. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was still over twenty thousand on the attendance sheet, which is uh, crazy for the way that this team has been playing. Something like or lost even just, just a record, I guess. Lost eighteen of the last nineteen home games. Yeah, that is brutal. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're still showing up, all the credit to the world to them. But it has to be talked about, and I know that their starting quarterback is on the way out. But and Nick Arbuckle came in; he had a better completion percentage. He did turn the ball over twice, but. The play calling, I think, like, I'm sorry. What was happening? I'm respect to Jackson Bennett. He had five yards to carry. But what was happening there with William Powell? I have no idea. The, there was four you bring, carries. You bring, this, you bring this guy in, you pay him all the money. You get him the ball four times. Yeah. 
And it almost looked like they all came in the second half. I'd have to go back and watch, but he wasn't seeing the field all that much. And who knows? Maybe maybe there's some ratio issues going on, but still. Maybe. Between Bennett and Powell, they rushed the ball 10 times. Yeah. And I get it. Calgary's defense doesn't lend itself to a lot of a lot of rushing yards. Like I mean, not really not 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 a team you're gonna rack up huge numbers on, but don't you want to give your quarterback a shot? This like we, we mentioned, like this is your best shot take to take down Calgary and they just kinda I don't know if that was the game plan with was to not run it. Uh but I I just don't see how you would go like they threw the ball forty four times and ran it ten times with their running backs and one other time with Brian Davis. Yeah, it was just a brutal game, and I think the play calling is a part of it. And this is a big-picture conversation, and you probably don't know where I'm going with it, but Nathan Rourke's only 24 years old, and maybe maybe there's a legitimate shot he gets a shot at the NFL. There, there, mm-hmm. there probably is. If he wants to take a shot in training camp. Maybe he's a QB two. There's good money in that and he can make a good career out of that. Nobody can blame him for that. But I hope he stays in the CFL because this might sound crazy. I think there's a real chance he can change the way other teams build themselves. Like watch what the BC lions do and tell me it's not fun to watch. Remember when their offensive line was a swinging saloon door? Because they couldn't afford anybody to put up there. Well, and that's a problem too, though. Because if they <laughs> now, now when Rourke wants six hundred grand in in two more years, now what? Exactly. Or does he now take the one? Does he take the discount to keep the team around him? Does he want to win? Or does he want to be the? Or does he want to be the new Zach Kalaros? Which I never thought I'd say, but like the highest paid player in the league, right? If you put Rourke in Ottawa's offense. Is he playing that boring dink and dunk style that we've seen for so many years? I mean, they put Jeremiah Masoli in and they still did it. Well, exactly. So I really hope that what Nathan Work and the Lions are doing really creates some uh, mm-hmm. change across the league and we see more offenses playing like that. I think that, that that means signing and drafting receivers that can stretch the field though. Too yeah. like you can't you can't just put a guy like Nathan Work in into somewhere that like nobody's going to be any deep threat because yeah. it does not, nothing's going to open up for you. And but he with with that being said though like you have that threat. He's able to find that that option that's going to be open real quick. And like you said, it, this ha- if if BC keeps playing like this, I don't see how teams. It's every every sports league is a copycat league. We talk about it all the time. Uh, you know, teams have got to look at this and be like, okay, what was that, and how can we do that? Because what we're doing now. If you're Edmonton, it's like, well, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Just take more risks. Like, I, I know that turnovers come and turnovers have mm-hmm. come for Nathan Work, but th- this How else safe do you learn? stuff. Yeah. And this safe stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't you can know. do that all you want, but if, and yeah. then, you know, in the, in late in the fourth quarter, you guys start stretching the field, but you haven't done it. You haven't yeah. thrown deep. Like, I mean, it's. I, th- I think that's what Ottawa gave us the safe stuff. And it mm-hmm. just. And it was. It, it was tough to see because Caleb Evans had a pretty nice run here and it just didn't go well in this game. They probably should have brought him out sooner, but it was just an ugly game all around. I mean, the player of the game for Ottawa was Richie Leone. 
And uh, the play- how many times have we had to say that? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like this is not breaking news to anybody. Uh, fans in Ottawa seem to be of the thought that uh, their he team had, is he had uh, ten punts for four hundred sixty-eight yards. <laughs> he netted three hundred and sixty-two. But he punted uh, ten times. His leg's going to fall off. <laughs> I guess in Ottawa, there fans say they're unwilling to make a change during the season at head coach. Um, mm-hmm. We'll we'll see what happens after this season. Um, if, if you're gonna, if they want, if, if Oseg and the fans and whoever else is going to decide that they want Paul Laplace gone, it's got to be like right after the season's over. Get the head coach you want in there, whether or not it's Mark Killam or whoever. Get him in there prior to the draft, prior to free agency. Get everything going. You don't want to bring a guy in that has to just deal with what he's got. You want to you want his fingerprints on it early if you if you want to make that change. It kind of seemed like uh, Lapo was delaying putting Arbuckle in there, like uh, when he originally chose Matt Nichols over Arbuckle. So. <laughs> not going to say it. I just can't believe he managed to make that decision. <laughs> that's a that's a throwback. That's a great callback. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was uh, Jalen Acklin, 28 yards, three catches, seven targets. He was the leading receiver in the CFL. It was just a – I can't believe we got that much talk out of that game. Um, <laughs> I, I think mean, we can talk about anything, really. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I can give you five minutes on anything. You can, hey? Hmm. Almost anything. I'd hold something up to the camera, but it's... I got a George Reed bobblehead. This is a pretty cool. Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders uh, clock. clock. Yeah. The old school, the analog. Yeah. Can you even read that time, or do you need, <laughs> do you need the digital inlay? I actually inlay? can. Oh, I man. actually can. Congratulations to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Taylor really knocked it out of the park there. <laughs> We move on to Saturday where the Toronto Argonauts beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats 34-20. You know what? This is basically the story as it's been for Hamilton all season. Play well in the first half and then kind of fall apart in the second half. The Argos got 28 of their 34 points in the second half. But I don't think we understated how big of a loss Braylon Addison was. That's tough. I, I think if I think like Brandon Addison was three or three for fifty-two receiving, he had one rush for one yard, whatever. But it was he was obviously going to be a big part of the offense, and that whole game plan changed when he went down. And and that, I mean they were up ten nothing when it happened. I was listening yeah. on the radio on the might way have even been thirteen nothing, but they were up. Yeah. And then when he went down, I was like, okay, yeah, that sucks. I hope it's not serious. And the way they were talking on the radio, like. Sounded like an Achilles to me, but yeah. that's that's what made it sound like an Achilles to me. It kind of looked it like it. Yeah, uh, I was like, yeah, hopefully he's okay. I was more worried about my pick'em. Did you have the cats? I had tire cats. I would have been three straight weeks of four and zero. Wow. On the podcast, I said Toronto. On the website, it says no picks. So. Oh, good for you. Take take it as you will. <laughs> but the the tie cats controlled the line of scrimmage in the first mm-hmm. half. And uh, Braylon Addison's not an old lineman. He's not a D lineman. And they lost control of that in the second half. Toronto made the adjustments, and mm. Hamilton didn't. And, and that has been happening all year. You could even say it started last year right. with Hamilton. Like, I mean, they just never, it always seemed like 
something was going on in that second half where they just weren't they were the same team that they were in the first half like there was nothing changed and this year has just been an absolute shame spiral like it they're not even that fun to watch just because you're just waiting i guess they are fun in the sense that it's a it's a car wreck you're just waiting for it to happen now i mean uh, don jackson getting the touchdown and break dancing was uh-huh. pretty good uh, well, I, I mean let's <laughs> so I, I wanted to bring this up you brought it up but um or well you brought him up i should say but you know who happened to be the leading running back this week in fantasy? Was it Don Jackson? Yeah, the Donassance with 25.4 points. He had eight catches for 67 yards and a touchdown and added 47 yards on the ground. Wow. 14.7, 20.7, 21.4, 25.4 points. So maybe he became the receiving target that would have been Braylon Addison. Well, and they only dressed one at one other receiver. Yeah. That was a big point of contention on the radio broadcast. Nateo J mentioned that, and then you know didn't seem that upset about it. Well, I mean, because it, he's the Argos he's, guy. Uh, Argos, yeah, no, <laughs> they were they were definitely they were definitely concerned about Braylon. Like, let's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, yeah, let's not make yeah. of that. But you know, so then I mean, you got to bring in a guy like Jake Burt. Uh, Sean Thomas Erlington got reps uh, in Braylon Addison's spot. Man, guys that guy's kind of, laying on the field twice, like on the opening kickoff, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He looked I mean, like he got like a forearm right to the head. Yeah, I mean, so you're you're putting guys in who aren't who are kind of playing out of position and having to do different things, and it just you know they, they decided to dress guys in other places, and then we make I, I've complained enough about you know only dressing six offensive linemen because I mean it only takes one guy to go down, and then you're in real trouble. So. You know, you don't really think of it when it comes to receivers. Because I mean, yeah, you can just throw a guy out there to, for a couple plays, but when it when a guy's out for the game and you've only got one other guy, it it's, becomes a rotating door and and it it messes with your rhythm, messes with your timing, messes with the like it's it's just. It, I think that's a big part of, of why Hamilton just could not get anything going after he went down. Kind of thought there would be some fireworks in this game, but. Kept it under control. They got, they got three games in the next four weeks. So <laughs> the fireworks are coming. Yeah, that's true. Andre Pru was the ref in this one. There was no penalties until two minutes left in the second quarter. So yeah. it was it was a smooth game. But you got Jagarit Davis was, playing was his old smooth team. Game was it a smooth game or was it a just let him play? Eh. <laughs> I'm, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> oh, I'm okay either way. I don't really care. I mean, when you got Jagarit Davis dropping back in coverage and uh, he's making the play, <laughs> you he, don't want him. He cov- played safety, man. Like, <laughs> and then he moves to D line. Like, what? What? Yeah, that guy. Oh, he's an I athlete. Love, love watching that guy play. Oh, uh, Eric Rogers came back. He did have a tough drop. New number. Yeah, number he twenty-four. Went he went Kobe. Went from eight to twenty-four. Wow, he did. You're right. Yeah, I bet you that's why he did it. <laughs> he had that tough drop at the end of the first half. Um, but in the third quarter, it starts to turn around. McLeod Bethel Thompson looking like a uh, a young Nathan Rourke. Uh- <laughs> yeah, in the first half, maybe, with those numbers. Dodge, dodging the uh, dodging the sack and getting the ball to Cam Phillips for the touchdown in the third in the third quarter and I mean Chris Edwards uh, involved in that East final garbage last year he has a pick six mm-hmm. there's a punt block 
in this one. Now I know once you once that punt was blocked, I knew I was done. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, special teams touchdown, forget it. Let me ask you, Uh-oh. how did that sound on the radio? Because there's some accusations running around. I've seen Ottawa fans. I've seen Hamilton fans saying that the Argos are piping in crowd noise. Eh, I look at the source on Twitter. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who calls themselves Pam Beasley is some issue. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I wouldn't put it past MLSC to be doing that. Wouldn't you Wouldn't you do it until you got caught? I guess to me it takes effort, uh, and that's why that's why it doesn't sound like uh, something that they fair. would do. Yeah, that's <laughs> On the radio, were they talking uh, the misconduct penalties? Because I got to be I was honest. Already, I was already, I was already uh, back in the office by that so point. So you watched those? I saw the one where who was it that got kicked out, but then they realized forty four. Then they realized, oh, it was only his first. I don't know. Those, those look soft. Yeah, I, <laughs> the first one was like kids on the playground just trying to get the last shove in yeah. as the teacher goes to. <laughs> as as you're coming around the corner, Mister Kaminsky yeah. grabs you by the collar because you're still playing tag after we had an assembly about it. <laughs> How was there an emergency assembly with the entire school because of tag? Like, I guess it was that much of a menace throughout think the about, school. Think about the 10 people playing it. Think I about guess. us in high school. I guess. Yeah. And then the, the, the principal goes, uh, if there's a six foot, 280 pound person flying through the hallway and the whole school stops and stares at me. I can't believe he put you on blast like that. Like, yeah, give the guy, a, give the guy a break. Call him two sixty five. Like, <laughs> take me to the office. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, no, that came in high school. Don't worry. I guess. I guess. Well, not you, but your mom. <laughs> no, I got suspended in grade seven. So, oh. I. <laughs> it's funny because we, we were do the a menace po- to society. And we do the that. podcast, and uh, you come off as the jerk. But back then, well, some, because you're so you're so happy now that somebody has to bring it down because I just <laughs> yeah, misery loves company. Roles reversed mm-hmm. uh, somewhere over in in adulthood here. <laughs> well, I, I got an idea as to why, but we don't need to get into that. We don't need this to be a therapy session like it was in our group chat last night. <laughs> hey, at the end of the game, Andrew mm-hmm. Harris has. Uh, when he really didn't have to be in the game. Yeah. Um, looks like holding his wrist, holding his hand. We'll, we'll see. And he was mad. He was extremely mad. I don't know how much time he's going to miss. shots and he'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know how much time yeah. he's going to miss. But the Argos didn't come out of this game unscathed either. No, I mean, Harris being in there with what the game was, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh you know, Olet only had the one carry. I don't know if you really want to just throw him in there. Uh, I get, I get what they're trying to do with you know him with Harris climbing up the yardage list and and stuff like that. And with rosters so small, eh? small that that's the other issue. Like we're down to forty six guys on an active roster. You can't afford to dress guys that aren't going to play, mm-hmm. right? Unless it's a punter and a kicker, really only do one thing. Like it, it's really hard to to do stuff like that. So, you know, him still being in the game, I don't know. 
six and one and a half of the other because I mean he could play thirty games and not get hurt. It just yeah. so happened that this was it, right? Uh, I don't know. It's if he's out long term, I don't know if if Olette and Adaboye, yeah, can, can carry that load. And, and you know, if he tries to play hurt, it is at risk. Like, I mean, that's not not great to play with if you're a running back. Well, they only got the one Canadian receiver, and it's mm. uh, Curly Gittens Jr. Um, so we'll see uh, if they want to switch uh, the nationality there. I believe in this game they went five Canadian O linemen. If I if I can remember correctly, so I mean that helped them uh, as far as the ratio goes. Philip Blake, Justin Lawrence, Bladick, McKellar, and Shane Richards. Five Canadians, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so they they got a win against the Ticats with the all-Canadian O-line. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leading receiver for the Argos was Cam Phillips. Four catches, 85 yards. In your lineup, I'm no, guessing? No, Oh, you're, you're done with Cam Phillips. You're just like a kid done with a toy after five minutes opening the wrapping. Well, I had, uh, I had big hope for uh, Jalen Acklin. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, and we all the the vaunted Acklin and uh, Caleb Evans, Caleb Evans combo yeah. <laughs> has worked before. Yeah, that's fair. Not this week. I don't know why you'd pick that against Calgary. Even even like the game wasn't that great, but still against Calgary. I don't know if I take that. Oh, I thought Caleb Evans would do better than one point two. I, I really call me stupid, but I, I thought he would do better than that. <laughs> Don't call me stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, you're all that Taylor do that. <laughs> Brandon Banks said the one catch for 15 yards against his old team. Uh, Eric Rogers returned to the lineup three for 30. And then uh, you got Hamilton, Stephen Dunbar. The, Tavares Daniels, don't forget, at 73 yards. Yeah, Three, yeah. Stephen Dunbar, the leading receiver for the Ticats, 71 yards on seven catches, 13 targets. Uh, Dane Evans. 303 yards, one touchdown, one pick, 29 of 43. Yeah, throwing the ball 43 times. Whoa. No, thank you. <laughs> there you go. That's round one of uh, Ticats and Argos. Of this, of this first round divisional series. Yep. <laughs> what it hey, feels like. McLeod Bethel Thompson, he had uh, no turnovers, and that was big. For the Toronto Argonauts getting that what's win your fa- at what's home. What's your favorite turnover? Apple? <laughs> you? I don't. I never had one. <laughs> I was just hoping you'd say, well, no, I like picks. Like, picks are pretty exciting. I was like, what about Apple? But fine. It's fine. Right through it. It's you, fine. It's you, fine. You can't slip that one past me. No. <laughs> okay. I thought that Edmonton would fare better against the BC Lions. And I guess they did. They only lost by 32 instead of 44, so it's a slight improvement. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I just can't believe that this Edmonton Elks team is going to beat Saskatchewan next week. I can't wait for that to ruin my birthday. Then the, the, full panic in Rider Nation. Oh. Release everyone. Fire everyone. There they you go. hit that button many weeks ago. <laughs> I We've already talked about Nathan Rourke, but 46-14, the final for the, the BC Lions beating the Elks. 
And look, they had that interview with Ed Gainey at half. Like, oh, I, I don't know what else he's supposed to say. I know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel bad for the defenders, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> when you put Dominic Rhymes, Lucky Whitehead, Keon Hatcher, Brian Burnham, I mean, Dominic Rhymes with the hat trick in the first half yeah. alone. Yeah. How many fantasy points? For Rhymes. Okay, get this. He had 36.1. Lucky Whitehead, 28. He was second. Brian Burnham, 20.2. He was fifth. <laughs> and was number four Nathan Rourke? <laughs> Well, he had 47.6. He would have been worth the money this week. Okay. Is that since we've started, you probably don't know this, since we've started this podcast, the CFL fantasy record. It's got to be up there. It's got to be top five. Well, he's one rushing touchdown, five Five passing, 477 yards. Guess what his longest pass was? 69. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Just under ninety-two percent. Thirty-four oh. of thirty-seven. Like he couldn't miss. Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, and Javon Katoy were the only ones who didn't go perfect. They each had they each missed it by one. I <laughs> see. I still think that your best defense against BC is to keep your offense on the field for as long as possible, or just sign Garrett Marino. <laughs> or trade for, I guess. <laughs> and, but you know what? The Elks were not doing themselves any favors. Weird. <laughs> so the first defensive series, it's like, whoa, this mm-hmm. is this is a new Elks team. Jake Ceresna has a sack on the first series. I think it was a two and out. Yeah. But then Deron Carter fumbles that punt. There you go. Seven nothing so, Lions. So Deron Carter fumbles a punt, so then we put Charles Nelson back there. Oh yeah. And That's some of fireable. those decisions. Like, there's no way he's on this roster on Monday morning. That has to be coaching though. He knows. He he's knows been in the league is. a long time. He's been in the league long enough. He knows he can't catch he can't return those balls at the five and three yard line. <sighs> so then the Elks first offensive play after it's seven nothing. Kenny Lawler fumbles it. So you've got two fumbles in one offensive play for mm-hmm. the Elks right at the beginning. And then, you know what? The Elks have a pretty good drive down the field. It's it's 14-7. But then then the wheels just fall off. The the Lions open it up and absolutely ridiculous catches only well and ridiculous throws too. The confidence mm-hmm. he's playing with, the windows he's throwing into, Rhymes is making circus catches, Burnham so, has a circus like, TD. I mean, those guys aren't aren't, you know, not helping. Like they're they're exactly. making the catches on balls that aren't perfect. Yep. Yep. But just looking at the BC Lions drive chart. Touchdown, 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 <laughs> touchdown, field goal touchdown. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six straight drives like i am serious the the lions need to find a way to do what the argos did with rocket ismail (laughs) sign this guy to a two million dollar personal services contract to make it exempt from the cap (laughs) i'm sure that loophole's been closed (laughs) they save on foods looking for a guy (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Make him the spokesperson for Save on Foods, Touchdown to Win. I mean, Daryl needs a break, doesn't he? Like, oh, his mustaches go for days. Like, make make Rourke the new A and W guy. Like this guy, you, you can just wear his jersey because it's orange anyway. <laughs> See, like I, I know we've had Flutie flakes. I don't know. We need to come up with a promotional item for Rourke's pork or something like remember, that. Remember Goody Rings? Yeah, bring those back. Rourke rings. Yeah, you could you could build giant uh, rings that he's throwing the ball through for the commercial, like Rourke's pork million dollar idea, bacon with Nathan Rourke on it. Like, why not? <laughs> they need to look. We're marketing geniuses right now. I don't know about let's, that, but yeah, I mean, let's not go too far. <laughs> But he had, what, 386 yards in the first half? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, we all kind of knew that there was no way that he was going to break the record. Well, I think time, the way times the, have changed. Yeah. The way the game goes now. Yeah. I, I think he, I don't think they wanted to pull him, but they brought it up numerous times on the broadcast. It was like, they're just going to call a different game now. Yeah. To, to get the ball out of his hands quick and, you know, just keep him upright. Uh, I don't know why. You wouldn't get Michael O'Connor warming up, get him yeah. some reps, but you know, I don't know. Uh, they got they got lucky. Well, I shouldn't say they got lucky. Like they they are lucky that nothing happened. Uh, you know, on his touchdown run, Deron Carter took a shot. When he was if there was any other zone. defender that could actually hit, maybe there's a different conversation there. I mean, if if you're not a coach, Deron Carter doesn't really instill a lot of fear into people getting hit, does he? You can knock down a coach or knock over a coach, but that's about it. Like if you're a rec- if you're if you're a receiver, if you're a receiver going across the middle, you see Deron Carter coming at you. Oh no, <laughs> he's not Micah Allway. He's not Adam Big Hill. He's not Brian Alexander. Like I'll take a hit from Deron Carter. Yeah, yeah. If he passed one to me, I'd take a hit too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, look, is there any team in the league that can keep up with the Lions' offense? Well, it used to be Hamilton, but I don't not anymore. Yeah, but seriously, can they keep like Winnipeg West Final November? If that's what it is, that's can, well, that, can yeah. you play the same style? You can try. It's minus thirty. How well are you going to be able to grip that football and throw the football and make those plays? That uh, might be the great equalizer. I mean, the I, Lions, I think, right? They get to play indoors at BC yeah. Place, and that helps. Yeah, it's for sure a big, big help. Uh, you know, and we see it in the NFL too. Like teams that have dome stadiums, they have a different team. Like you look at the Lions, or not Lions, are a terrible example. The Saints back in the day, so, not anymore, like, but yeah, even like the last three, four years. I mean, you look at the Saints versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's outdoor, north, cold. You have to set up a physical football team in a dome. You set up for speed. Yeah, conditions are ideal at all times. Good footing, everything. Right. Uh, You know, BC being the only dome team, it's kind of yeah. Yeah, you can do that and and go eight and one at home and and hope for five hundred on the road. I guess or like you know five and four, four and five on the road and make the playoffs. But you better be hosting a game. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 conditions and being indoors means that much to how your team is set up now. I mean, going into Winnipeg in November for any team, I, I don't think is ideal. 
Yeah. And I don't care who you are. Uh, they have legit crowd noise there. Um, <laughs> but look, last year, the riders were close. Actually, they should have done it. Uh, if, if the riders had their 2019 offense, they probably win uh, going to Winnipeg and forcing those turnovers, but mm. they, they did not. Um, if you look at uh, BC schedule, they go into Calgary this coming weekend, and then they've got a home and home with Saskatchewan again, and they've got two more. They got a home and home with Calgary in September. So there it is. Those three these, games. These, with the next, these next three games, they got to go two and one. Yep, and I think they should be easy. Well, and the Stamps, we're going to see what they're made of as well. They're, they're five and two. The Lions are six and one. It just so happens that uh, those one and twos in the losses column all came against one team. Yeah. The the Blue Bombers, who somehow, they, they don't crush. To quote, to quote Aerosmith, the train kept rolling. But you, but you look at the Lions, the way they've crushed Edmonton and they crushed mm-hmm. Toronto. What if they didn't do that? No, it's completely different offenses, though. Too. Yeah, like they could have went to overtime with Toronto if not for a missed extra point. Like I, I, the way Winnipeg's winning games just makes me feel like <laughs> when it comes to playoffs, like you know, there's nothing to worry about. They've done it all. They've done everything. We brought it up earlier, like you know. They're dodging bullets left and right. They win those they're, ugly playoff they, style they games the, yeah. all the time. That that's the only way they don't want to play. Yeah. It seems like they don't they don't do anything exciting, but they just do everything right. Man, this <laughs> it's nice. Like last year, having CFL football back was it was great. But this year it's like we're back in the, the full swing of things, week nine, Labor Day is only a few weeks away, and mm-hmm. you still can't predict, like, well, some people on Pick'em, you included, I guess can uh, predict I, pretty well. The but. fact I picked Ottawa last week and got it right, <laughs> it, it, that's my year. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go to Twitter. There was a oh, uh, poll boy. I put. Uh, oh. The the biggest controversy of the season was it Slurpee cups or air horns, and this is uh, I guess anecdotal, but uh, two and out followers, fifty three percent of them say Slurpee cups. Yep, are the biggest controversy of the year. I I almost want to try to DM Seven Eleven and just see if we can just get buy a set. Or can we have a custom made uh, Ottawa and Montreal cup? Oh, we can just do it ourselves. Who's going to stop us? <laughs> We're going to get to an email from Michael Walker, uh, who sent in another email at twoandout.ca. You can do that as well. First, uh, this episode of Two and Out brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. And Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough, and they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. Let Alberta Blue Cross give you the peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross group benefit plans are easy to manage. 
manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. All right, Ty, uh, wrapping up here with this email from Michael Walker, the almost mid-season takes, uh, almost halfway through the season in Winnipeg. Are the Bombers playing football games or presenting increasingly Baroque pieces of performance art designed to... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Why don't I get you to read this? Baroque pieces of performance art... you're the host. I'm the sidekick. You're Batman. (laughs) I'm Robin. (laughs) Designed to instill existential dread in their opponents. He says that he got a thesaurus for his birthday, so thanks. I don't feel so stupid. Are they playing football games or Baroque pieces of performance art? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> Nothing they do is fun. No. Well, unless, well, winning is fun. I guess. But, I guess. I mean, it is, they're not fun to watch. Uh, it, it's boring football. I love this next Get the job done. Oh, good. Montreal. How long before Rick Moranis puts Becky O'Shea in the lineup? That's the only way the little giants, uh, Alouettes, are going to turn this season around. Maybe it wasn't all Kahari and VA's fault. Maybe it was Kahari and Machocha's fault. Like, it's not, let's not totally absolve Danny of (laughs) all guilt. (laughs) Okay, in Ottawa, this one's a twofer. Is Paul Lapelis the CFL's Norv Turner slash Wade Phillips? <laughs> Love the Norv Turner reference because, you know, screw him in the Chargers. <laughs> he says a crackerjack coordinator who isn't really a head coach. And how does Nick Arbuckle always know precisely the most painful moment to throw an interception or two? Because he's watched Kevin Glenn. <laughs> Calgary. Do you think a consistent and competent organization is yes. important in building yes. a team that wins no matter? Yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah. No matter what, though. No matter who No matter who seems to be playing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. The Ticats uh, do know that games have two halves, right? I say no. I don't think they do. <laughs> well, it's like, how do you dig half a hole? <laughs> uh, seriously, are the Argos the upside-down version of the Stamps? Uh, that's says that's a, a Stranger Things reference. I have never seen an episode Maybe. of Stranger Things. I Maybe. do know that Master of Puppets uh, was in the last season, though. He says, is there any middle ground? Is there any setting for this team? <laughs> is there any setting for this team between hapless and world beating? No. There's no in between. No. There's well, no in between. I mean, yeah, no. No, it's they're either the Keystone Cops or... They're Alabama. I felt a little sorry for Chris Jones on Saturday night. Is my moral compass broken? Might as well join the live golf tour. (laughs) Nathan Rourke's accuracy is uncanny. Is he a witch? No, he'd be a warlock. I think he sold his soul uh, just like Jimi Hendrix did. Well, so once Rourke's 27, we're done. (laughs) <laughs> I hope but no, not. he wouldn't be a witch. He'd be a warlock. Okay, okay. Then there's no Saskatchewan takes. He says, thanks for presenting such a great podcast. But Three Down Nation keeping Saskatchewan busy this week. Hey, you need that Speaking rider clicks. Riders. You need oh, those rider 100%. clicks during the bye week. Masoli doubled down today on Twitter. Man, what a season. 
What a season. Loving every minute of it. Lover boy reference. I try to I try to get like one song reference in every week. I try to make like an old nineties country reference, but I just didn't do it. <laughs> Back to get you ready for week ten later this week. Rate, review, and subscribe to Two It Out on your favorite podcatcher. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.